Robert Crash Craddock, Chief Sports Writer from the Courier Mail, joins us now to give us his very unique board. Crash, good morning. Good morning, lads. Uh, as we prepare for another debate about rugby league, the bushfire that just keeps burning. Oh, it's saying this morning, Crash, won't Graham Annesley's uh, press conference, his regular Monday afternoon presser, be well attended to today? Yeah, and, and it makes you wonder, Paul, what rugby league do without the bunker and the spicy narrative that it provides every week. It grinds us all down, don't we? But I still enjoy it. I'm a bunker fan. I enjoy what it brings to the game. It's uh, it's uh, it's quite fascinating, isn't it? So, what's your opinion on the result of that match last oh, night? They, look, they, they were robbed. And uh, actually, let's start off with underrated underrated, Jared, because this dovetails and segues beautifully into that topic. Underrated, I was going to say, the stresses of state of origin, how they can sometimes grind players down. And I think, I watched the Cowboys the last two weeks and they uh, had a magnificent representation in origin and rep round and everything, but I just feel they've come off the boil a little bit, as evidenced last night when West Tigers should have beaten them. And the other underrated factor was... I think referees are not immune to that pressure. Ashley Klein did all three orange bunker last night. I'm just wondering whether he's just a little bit flat too after the origin. That's a convenient excuse, isn't it? I can see people raising their eyes as they drive to work and listen to those statements. But he had a big ser origin series and I felt he handled it pretty well. As Brent Reid said, he's the game's number one referee. He just got it wrong, didn't he? Um, yeah. My little pet theory, guys, is that Sometimes, as in cricket, the third umpire and, and also in rugby league, the bunker representative, I, I'm not sure whether that skill set is entirely compared to a great referee on the field. I think there is such a thing as a very good third umpire who, who, who's terrific at technology and the same as a bunker, a bunker referee. Like we just think, oh, no, you, I'm doing the bunker this week, oh, I'm out in the field. Well, sometimes... The, the 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 two skills. There's some that are just better at the bunker. I'm sure, Ashley Klein is one of them. I think you're spot on. You know, I, yeah. I I think that's it's a skill, and I think you should be looking at specialists in those positions mm. in the bunker or behind the DRS or whatever it is. Yep. Yeah, it, it's just. I mean, we see it all the time. Paul. So, some guys are good at player management, and Ashley Klein isn't bad at player management at all. He can look a player in the eye give a swift, uh, accurate description of, of a penalty and get keep play moving. Good skill. Some guys are just uh, technological wizards that can just look at a replay and say, no, there's no hand on that, or uh, he's knocked on. They're real, they're, they're, they're great. A and one does not necessarily mean the other. Yeah. Okay, so that's any other underrateds? Uh, one I, I do like, uh, I did a story eight years ago about a young Bathurst trainer called Jack Butler who came to, who went against the flow of everything that was harness racing. Everyone was leaving the state and heading to Sydney. He said, I like Queensland. I think it can grow. I'm heading up there to try my future. People said he was mad. And, you know, this year, I just noticed the other day, he's now the number one trainer in the state. He's a beautiful story because when he was 10 years old, he was adopted by the... Stephen Wendy. Now, that's a very unusual age to adopt a young lad. I'm mm. not sure of his backstory and how it came to that. 
but he's a, he's a lovely, beautifully balanced sort of man, and, I, and and I'm not surprised at all. He's getting a lot of horses. He trains well, but for for to be adopted as a ten year old and grow up with the Turnbulls and then pay tribute to him, say I owe them everything. He's a heck of a story. So Jay Butler, well done. Tell you okay. what, boys, there's a, a breaking story. I don't know what time it was released, but Travis Main has so, said something or written something in the Gold Coast, uh, sorry, about the Gold Coast Titans, obviously crash with the Courier Mail. And it's, uh, you know, what's wrong with the Gold Coast Titans? Is it culture? Well, let's see what the players are doing at half time. Now, there is a, a video here of Kevin Proctor vaping at half time. So I don't know wow. how legit it is. Uh, um, but that's what's going around at the moment. So I don't know if it's wow. true or whatever. But if, wow. this, if this is the situation, uh, um, just keep an eye on that throughout the day. Well, I'll just... Two things I'll say about that. Travis Main lives on the Gold Coast. He's got very good Titans contacts. And he is not a frivolous journalist. If uh, he, He's not a journalist who, set up, who, who whimsically p- makes social media posts... He'd be well aware of the outrage which would be caused by that posting. So, well, what it is, Crash? I, I, I better I, I, uh, what it is. Travis hasn't posted this. Someone has posted it to Travis, and yep. he's just uh, posed the question: "What's doing at the Gold Coast Titan?" So, yep. Uh, well, yeah. it's, a, it's a very courageous call by because Trav covers that beat, and he, and and for him to even Paul, for him to even repost that. Uh, says to me he is convinced of the bona fides of it so yeah it's a it's a it's a big big it's a it's a big story isn't it it's wow we yeah. and we had someone else just send us through something before in relation to that uh cyril sidestep kevin proctor and his live instagram video from the sheds in team uniform so it's doing the rounds we don't know how legit it is or what time it was done but it doesn't look good uh, yeah. Well, particularly, Paul, when you're a club under siege, you've just got to go the straight and narrow, haven't you? You know, people are looking for reasons to explain why Gold Coast have lost, what, is it eight games in a row? And, and, and the, the, can you imagine that in Craig Bellamy at half-time, if that was him? Look, I'm sure it's not half-time. Someone's asked that question. It might be full-time. Either way, he's, he's still, still in the club gear. Uh, it yeah. looks like to be in the dressing shed vaping. Anyway... Okay, we don't know when it was, so let's clear that up. But yeah. let's just say an interesting look. Yeah, something to look out for today. Uh, so we got your underrated crash. What about overrated? Overrated. I was fascinated by Usman Khawaja's comments on Friday about he feels the 50-over game in cricket is dying a slow death. And uh, only seconds ago, you, you mentioned uh, you know a, a fascinating game in the in the West Indies and Port of Spain between the West Indies and India and. You know some of the things that are uh, that are you know how you can get really good games, but I, I did agree with Woodsman in that there's just no big appetite for it amongst nations anymore. Like there is supposed to be a contest, 50 over contest between Australia and South Africa next January, but both teams decided they didn't want to happen and it cancelled, and that is in a World Cup year. There's a World Cup 50 over tournament next year in India. So you'd think they'd be scraping for all the 50 over games they can get. So I'm just... And, and by the decision to cancel that next year, South Africa mightn't even be in the 50 over World Cup because they prioritised their domestic 2020 competition. So I, I agree with Kawaja. I'm seeing troubled times ahead 
in the massive squeeze provided by T20 cricket. So many tournaments bobbing up. Something has to give, and that something is the less financial 50-over cricket. And Ben Stokes probably played the way there as well. Crash. Well, he did, but well, he, he retired from 50-over cricket last week at age 31, and, and he's one of the top five 50-over cricketers in the world. Indeed, he won him the last World Cup, didn't he? Famously, England, and now he's gone. So that's a statement. It, it really is. And I don't say this, guys, with any sense of, um, you know, excitement or justification because it's a good form of the game. It's a, I, I love being at home, having a 50-over game, rumbling along in the background, looking at the screen, you know, every few minutes and keeping touch on things. But, and it does rate well on television. Fox Sports always say that. But for the future... Oh, I'm worried about it because the appetite's not there. It's been, it's just having its boots chewed off by T20 cricket at the bottom, and Test cricket amongst the top nations has a, a majesty all of its own at the moment. The way it's being played so aggressively. Would one of the main reasons why its boots have been chewed off is that it's no longer the cash cow that it was, say, 20, 30 years ago. That you know we get uh, 90,000 people at, at those games, and you're flat out getting th- a third of that there now. Yeah, it's a good point, Jared, and it's what players are being paid. They've been paid a fortune to play T20 cricket, but 50-over cricket, that's part of your national contract and it means you're overseas more. And you're right. I remember in the 1990s, we used to play a little game at the MCG, Guess the Crowd, when we were coming at the press box, and I always used to joke that my standard guess was 57,000. Um, if in doubt, I always said 57,000. And it was amazing how often that was around the mark. It'd be 55, 500, or sometimes it'd be 60. But these were just routine games in in the three-team competition. Now, can you imagine that now? They, they wouldn't get half that at the MCG now. Oh, I do think everyone has lost their appetite for it. Now, Crash, back to the rugby league. Um, you're a fan of the bunker still. Yeah, I don't mind it. I like it. I love, I love the colour and flavour and controversy and drama it brings. And I find that the, the bunker often provides the most watchable parts of the game. When, when there's a try in the corner, did he get his foot down or didn't he? It's hard to look away. But, um, you know, I, I agree with Brent Reid that I would not be taking this matter to court. West Tigers have threatened to. They've said, look... You know, the game, um, you know, it was, a, it was a poor decision. It was a poor decision... But it wasn't, you know, an outrageously stupid decision. I mean, I could see what he was getting at. He thought the player uh, that Kyle felt had been impeded with. Kyle, uh, of course, made the decision look as bad as it was when he started sort of smiling and laughing afterwards as if to say, I got you there, but uh, by deliberately almost running into the player and falling down. So... It was unfortunate, and it was a horrible way to finish a game, wasn't it? I, I, uh, but these things happen in rugby league. And Crash, a journalist in Brisbane must always be very, very happy when the Broncos are out and about and firing, and they certainly are at the moment. Yeah, that was a fabulous win against Parramatta on Thursday night, a real litmus test game. And they, what I liked about it was that they, they, they've reached a level now where they're producing every week the Broncos. Doesn't mean they're winning every week, but they're real eight out of ten stuff. You know, their forwards are committed. They uh, there was an interesting stat two weeks ago against the Gold Coast Titans when they missed fifty six tackles in a game. That is an enormous amount of missed tackles, uh, 
But guess what? They won. And that meant they scrambled like mad dogs to cover all these tackles they missed. So in, in other words, what should have been a really damning statistic actually became a bit of a badge of honour because, you know, they missed all those tackles and still won because guys had each other's back. Now, in previous seasons, they didn't have that. And uh, I, I like the way they're heading. And I think sometimes in life, you move ahead by realising what you don't need. And I reckon they've cut a few players over the last few years who were just real, not, not, not troublemakers, but just hard, difficult guys to manage. And, and, and now there's more cohesion in the club and it's really showing through. And some of the guys that have been there for a couple of seasons are back to their best. And mm. Corey H has got to be one of those guys. Uh, back in State of Origin... The, the Queensland State of Origin team, he's scoring tries. I think he's got 16 for the season, Crash. This is as good as he's played. Yeah, and he disappeared back to the Intrust Cup last year, didn't he? Or the Host Plus Cup. And, and, and there were doubts about whether Kev Walters really rated him. But, see, you know, that's probably good coaching. He, he said, look, there are some deficiencies in your game you've got to work on. And he has returned a much safer player. Like, he barely drops the ball now. Remember when Oates always had one error, crucial error, a game in him? Well, he's not doing it now. So uh, it's just a, a joy to see him come back in probably the last few years of his career and really put something on the table. Be safe, solid, consistent. And the skill level of this Broncos team has really risen. And I'm, I'm calling that no coincidence at all, Paul, that they got him fit because fitness is alertness helps you with your decision-making, and it's really shining through the team. So, you know, you've got to give Kev Walters a wrap. He worked him hard during the off-season. There was players creaking and, 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 and all that, but guess what? They got there, and their reward is to have sealed a semi-final spot with five weeks to spare. If we can go back to cricket, India, with three balls remaining, needed six to win. They got a six. So oh, they got they've, six. <laughs> they've won by two wickets with a couple of balls to spare. They, so that was one game that was uh, a good finish. So, um, well, World Sport Crash, Friday in Birmingham, the games get underway. Uh, we're going to win a lot of gold medals. Does it actually mean anything anymore? Good question. Good question. I, I, I pondered that myself, um, and I'm going to enter it with an open mind, Jared. But, look, no-one's talking about it right now. There'll be people listening to us and saying, oh, the, the, the Commonwealth Games start Friday, do they? Uh, because mm. they just burst upon our scene now, don't they? They'll be big for nine mm. days and then they'll vanish. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's not what it was. I think this is the, about the 22nd edition of the Commonwealth Games and the next one has been held in Victoria's provincial cities and there were six cities pull out of that because uh, the bidding process, uh, even Adelaide was one of them, I remember. Durban was another because uh, of just the spiralling costs. It costs a lot to host these games. Do, does the Commonwealth still matter? People will debate that as well. Mm. But what I do love is that it shines a light on sports that we don't hear much about between times. Hockey is great. Swimming's great. The athletics will be terrific. Even lawn bowls is fun to watch. I find it's the and first sport on offer thing, Friday night. I can't and, wait. And as so, you would know, Crash, being a colourful rider, there's always a story with any gold. Oh, look, there is, Jared, and so many of these athletes... Like, I love the, the hockey teams because I always felt that their commitment to their cause was as great as 
any of the professional codes like football and all that. A lot of them moved to Perth to be part of the national training system. They gave up their private lives. They worked part-time over there. Many of them never returned. They, they liked it so much. But, and then they'd have this last year where they'd be cut down from a group of 30 to a group of about 16 for the Olympics or the Commonwealth Games. And it, the whole mood would change. You know why? Because suddenly your mate was your rival. You know, and I'm looking at Jared saying, oh, I think they're going to take Jared ahead of me. And, you know, funny conversations at breakfast. So, you know, it, it's, a, it's a really tough little sport. Crash, mm. they'd never take Jared before you, mate. You know that. Now, this to think of something I've got Jared covered in. There's not much. Everything. Everything. <laughs> crash, Life. Crash. This time last week, it seems like so long ago, we were celebrating Cameron Smith's victory at St Andrews, the 150th edition of the Open Championship. And it seems as though this last week we're either talking about the great victory or what's he going to do next? Will he go and join Greg Norman on the Live Tour? What do you think? What are you thinking here? I think... I think he... I've got him more likely to go than not, but I'm, I've got it now more of a surprise if he stays than he goes because of all the speculation, but it's not certain. I reckon he's mulling over that very point right at the moment, Paul. He will play the FedEx Cup playoffs and could finish the number one golfer in the world. He will play the President's Cup against America in a couple of months' time. And then I think he'll make his big call. I'm tipping he will not go alone if he goes, that Adam Scott and Mark Leishman will go with him and join Greg Norman. And it's just a heck of a hard decision. He's allegedly been offered $100 million, which stretches a long way for a guy who only wants to buy a coffee shop when he retires. <laughs> and be, be a pretty big I, coffee I, shop. Oh, it, it will, but he's become... He's become the figurehead of the battle between the two, Greg Norman and traditional golf, because Norman's group are ageing. You know, Lee Westwood, uh, Phil Mickelson, all those older guys, Sergio Garcia, and they're, they're painted as dad's army. If they can get uh, Smith, the newly minted British Open champion and soon to be world number one, the whole narrative changes because they've got sort of the golden boy. So... Well, oh, he could just about name his price. And uh, he's, he's qualified for the majors, all four, for the next five years and for the British Open for the next 32 years until he turns 60. It's a nice place to be, Paul. And they can't keep him out of those events? Any of those events? No. As it stands at the moment, no. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of debate going on about the PGA Tour and really, Jared, I have to say this, and even people who support the PGA Tour have said this, this is the price the PGA plays for not contracting its players. Like, at, le at least Liv has contracted players. They've given sign-on fees and they say, you're with us. The PGA just says, oh, we're putting prize money up. Yeah, but you've still got to win it. You can still miss the cut. You can mm. still run last. So if you just let players float in and out of your tour, that's, this is the price you pay. Crash, is there any suggestion at all that some of the players, Rory McIlroy and Cameron Smith would be one of the next ones with Scotty Scheffler, that they have received or have been offered some financial in, uh, encouragement by the PGA to stay? No, no, there hasn't. There hasn't. That, that system has not been approved or sanctioned in any way. Look, the PGA last year said that they would offer massive rewards for players who generated the most social media. 
And I think Tiger Woods got something like a $5 million bonus for it. Phil Mickelson runs second in it. And, and that was their way of saying, oh, here's a little, little bonus. But their prize money has always been so good and, and such a standout that they've never had to bother about contracting players. But they're worried now, you know. And Norman's made inroads. And as I keep saying, Paul, never underestimate the pull Norman has over Australian golfers because... If he did one really nice thing in his life, Greg Norman, it's that he, he whenever an Australian golfer appeared in America, he would ring them up and say, hey, welcome. I've heard so much about how well you've gone. Good luck. If you need me for anything, give us a call. Now, it might be a four-minute phone call, you know, um, and and you know, but, but it, players don't forget that when their battlers on tour. So many of them said, hey, what about this? I got a phone call. I thought it was a crank call, but it was the shark. You know, and, and, you know, so in other words, they get along well with him. He's not persona non grata to the Australians. They like him. They would like to join him, whether they've got the courage to cross the Great Divide. A clean skin like Adam Scott, who's done nothing controversial in his life, whether he's got the courage to join Norman, I'm still not sure. Crash, unfortunately, we're out of time. We could keep going for another half an hour. Really appreciate it, mate. If we don't catch up through the week, we'll talk to you next Monday. Can't wait. Thanks a lot, guys.